I feel like there's something very particular about the way that Macaulay Culkin screams in Home Alone. You know, I mean, like, it's sort of a, a cultural phenomenon, especially when he does the thing. <laughs> the hands on. Yeah, the when he does the, the aftershave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to think of, like, all of the different versions of that scream. Because he, he doesn't just do the one. He does have the one that he does when he, like, slaps aftershave on his face. And it's like the... Oh! It's not just a scream. Like, it feels like the tongue is, like, getting into it. That's not how normal people scream. He does it when, uh, after he says, I'm not afraid anymore, and then he sees Marley standing over him, and he goes, Aah! Yeah, that one's just, like, pure terror. He's like, <laughs> When he's excited, he does it. Yeah. He goes, I'm free, when he realizes he has a house to himself. Oh, and then he yeah, runs and then he, like, around runs, screaming. Breaks the fourth wall, and he does yeah. that. When else does he do it? Uh, the van is the other one. The van, when he, when exactly. Like, when the van when almost hits him. When they're him. like, that's sick. I told you not to do it. What are you? Don't tell me not to do it. Well, I don't want to. And then he's like, hey, watch out. And Kevin does the. <laughs> so do you think that those that you've just done are different from each other? Yeah. like, it's, Do you think you did them differently? I think so. Oh, okay. Did you feel like I, I didn't? I didn't no? really feel like they were different. I love the one that he does when he slaps the aftershave on his face though because it does feel like that you know when charlie brown does that scream and you see his tongue like waggling out of his mouth not oh! really you never watched though i've seen him but i i don't know i never really got down with charlie brown yeah it's kind of boring to me oh okay no offense yeah that's fine it really was a cultural phenomenon too because i remember i distinctly remember being in the grocery store shortly after Home Alone came out and there was a child younger than me in the seat of a cart hmm. and his mother was sort of lackadaisically pulling the cart from the front and his feet were hanging out of the seat in the cart. Young kid, we're talking maybe three years old. And as I walked by, he put his hands yes. on his face and he did the scream and i was just so embarrassed for that child <laughs> i was like we all get it home alone it's a great movie i mean you gotta see it but don't, don't do that don't do scream. that no don't don't be that guy Long Road Home Alone, here we are again, back in the studio. Jimmy, thanks for having me. So glad to be here, coming to you live from... Uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. You got it. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. I'm so glad, not only am I glad that you're happy to be here, but I'm glad that you are here. Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Santee, don't visit the funeral homes, little buddy. Yeah, who are we talking about today? Uh, Marvin Merchants. Mar is my Marvin Merchants. Marv is my favorite character in the movie. I don't think another character in Home Alone makes me laugh more than Marv Merchants. He's the comedy. Almost every character in this film, with the exception of Marley, I mm. would say, yeah. gets an opportunity 
to provide some humor. Leslie, not so much either. But if you had to narrow it down to one character who brings the most comedy, I would say it's Marv. Even before you get to the traps, Marv is just the goofball. He's a cartoon character. Marv is a buffoon. Yeah. He doesn't, he can't do anything on his own. He's there alongside Harry and Harry is showing him, not the ropes, but he's. Well, I, I don't know. I'm kind of wondering, what, what do you think about their past? How did the Wet Bandits come to be? You know, like how long do you think these guys have been working together? It's a great question, and we're never told, but we know that Joe Pesci is considerably older than Daniel Stern. So, you know, is Marv the protege? I think Harry's very clearly the brains of the outfit. He's definitely the brains. And I would go as far to say, I think Marv idolizes Harry. I don't I know. I don't know. They do feel like they have their own independent spirits, though, because you get that scene, the wet bandits thing. Well, that's all Marv. Harry doesn't want anything to do with that. He understands why it's not a good thing to leave a mark that ties you to all of these crimes. And Marv does it anyway. And so, despite the fact that Harry does feel like the brains of the outfit and the leader, Marv is still off doing his own thing. Marv is inspired. Yeah. For sure. He's not just a tag along. He's not a lackey. He does have his own agency and his own personality in this operation. And I think that he probably brought that to the operation when the two of them teamed up. Yeah. How do you think that Marv convinced Harry that he was worthy of joining this partnership? Because I think that's the way it went. I mean, I don't think Harry came to Marv and goes, hey, do you want to partner up on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, when I'm thinking about, I don't know, just the criminal underworld, I think that's kind of how Harry and Marv came together. They like worked on a job together and they're like, oh, we kind of like each other where we trust each other and let's just keep making this work. I definitely think Harry has been in the game a lot longer than Marv and Marv is the protege who's being taught, you know, how this works, but he, he's still his own man. Not only is he his own man, but he's kind of a loose cannon. I mean, maybe mm. you got to wonder how many jobs they've done together. We know they've done several because mm -hmm. they establish that they are the wet bandits. Mm. Marv says they're the wet bandits. Yeah. And Harry's disgusted. Yeah. He goes, you did it again, didn't you? I do love that. You, you left the water running, didn't you? Why do you do that? It's a sick thing to do. That's the reason that I think that their friendship is more than just colleagues. That's like an annoying brother thing to do. And that feels exactly where Marv is with Harry. He's the little brother who's annoyed, but he's attached to him. It feels like there really is a bond that's drawing them together, even though Harry is annoyed with Marv. So going back then to how you think they met, you think that they just maybe did a job together. Yeah, I would imagine that they were B&E guys in Chicago. They knew a guy who like brought them together and then they decided to team up and they were just going to, you know, rob the suburbs of Chicago. If you are a criminal, your trusted connections are probably limited. You mm -hmm. got to be careful, yeah. right? You don't get to accept resumes to say, okay, who do I want my partner to be, right? Yeah. So maybe the pickings are slim. Yeah. I mean, Harry's like, he's the best I got, and I would rather have a partner in this enterprise than be going it alone. Yeah. I also love the other moment that he gets annoyed with Marv is at the Murphy's house when Marv is just destroying anything he can, you know, like 
this isn't just about robbery. And that I think comes back to the wet bandits thing. You know, it's not just about stealing things from people's house. It's about destroying their homes. I mean, like you think about how many months it's going to take to repair that flooded damage from the sink overflowing and he's alone in the kitchen as he's cracking up while he's like flooding their sink he's so delighted yeah He's so happy with himself. He gets back to the van and without saying anything, Harry already knows that he did it. Yep. Yep. It's like, what's so funny? Yeah. He's so amused by that. He's the chaos agent between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Harry's the professional. Yeah. Harry's like, I want to get in and out. I want to make a living doing this. Yep. It's a moral, sure, but like, I've got to, you know, it's a business. You left the water running, didn't you? What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. You know what Marv seems like to me? Yeah. He seems like this guy who most, if not all of us, have probably known. And if you haven't known this guy, maybe you were that guy. He's the kind of guy who has never had a friend. Hmm. He's always hanging out. He's always around, right? But nobody likes him. Hmm. When he's not around, everybody else is like, that guy's super annoying. Mm -hmm. And then come high school, he's the one who's doing things for attention because it's the only way he can get any interaction, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. he's like the king of the keg stand. He's been laughed at all his life. And it's like, he doesn't know or care. Like bad attention is better than no attention at all. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to be someone who's not obnoxious yeah that's how he comes off to me the persona that marv is supposed to embody uh chris columbus talked about him having this like trucker look those sideburns that come to a point on his cheek like that was daniel stern's idea doing that and then putting the snow globes on the thing i was thinking about that the last time i was watching home alone how this look of daniel stern's took a minute yeah he had to grow this in you know how long was he curating this really nasty look yeah before you know principal photography well and then they originally they gave daniel stern the role and his agent asked for more money and they weren't going to give it to him because they were unlike a pretty limited budget on home alone. And so they cast another actor for it and he screen tested with Joe Pesci and the chemistry that was there between Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern just wasn't there with that other actor. And so they ended up paying Daniel Stern what he asked for. And he came back in and you can just tell he brings so much to that role. Uh, I remember seeing an interview with him too, where he talked about this, but that scene where the paint can hits him in the face, he asked for so many takes because he just wanted to make sure that dumb face looked right when the paint can hit it. He brings it. Yeah. He's always so deeply in character. Yeah. I want to get back into the layers of Marv's character and the dynamics of their relationship a little bit. I think I had said earlier that I think that Marv idolizes Harry and I'm sticking to that because I think despite the fact that he has his own predilections I think they're just like hobbies yeah yeah yeah, like this is this is my interest like I want to wreak havoc totally I'm going to pursue this interest of mine yeah but despite that 
there's never a power struggle between the two of them. No. I feel like Marv recognizes that Harry is the boss and Harry is in charge. And it's evidenced by the moments of decision when Marv keeps turning to Harry Mm -hmm. and basically asking for Harry's advice. What are we going to do next? Right. He catches Kevin by the pant leg and he's like, I got him. I got him. I got him. him." And that's all he's got. He's like, I'm incapable of making a a decision. Yeah, I can't do this myself. I I need you to know that I got him. And then very soon thereafter, right, when they went. And they catch him coming up from the Murphy's basement. Yeah. What are we going to do to him, Harry? What are we going to do to him, Harry? It's like, you tell me, Harry. So so Marv is really always, he can't do it on his own. No, no. He can't. And there's also the moment where you can really just blow right past it. But there's that moment where they make the decision to rob the house, Mm. right? They have realized that Kevin is home alone. And Marv doesn't want to rob the house. Mm. He's the one who's like, even with the kid there, I don't think that's such a good idea. And it's like that yeah. one time where he like yeah. he tries to establish his feelings on it. Yeah. And, Harry, and Harry's just like, ever since I seen that house, I wanted it. Yeah. So Marv goes along with him, even though he knows. Well, Marv's he, the one who knows this is not a good idea. He does this again in the attic scene. Harry is the one who goes out on the wire and he's like, come on, you sissy. And he's like, I, go out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to do that. Well, like, you scared, Marv? Are you afraid? Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he is. He just, he, and, 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 and with he good reason. He basically just bullies Marv into getting slammed against a brick wall. Yeah. So it's it's this weird duality where it's like Marv yeah. is the chaos agent, but he's also the one who rightly knows when the risk is too great. Yes. He knows when to quit. Yeah. And Harry's wrath over powers the logic yeah. of Marv. He's clearly the subordinate in this, yeah. this relationship. And Marv is in over his head for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And I think he is cognizant enough to know that he's in over his head, mm. but he is following Harry's lead. And so yeah. I do think there's like, he'd never come right out and say it, but I think he loves Harry. I don't think Harry loves Marv, but I think Marv is like Harry somehow in this life is the person who has treated me better than anyone else has ever treated me. I don't know. It just feels like a surrogate brother relationship to me. Yeah. It feels very but I much think, like, I feel like Marv has never had that. I don't feel like it's just one way, though. I do feel like Harry gets something out of it as well. Harry would n- really never admit it. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't. But I think he appreciates that he's got a subordinate who he can just be like, go do this thing. Right. Uh, and then even when they come back out of the house, Marv is the one who's like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. And, and Harry's like, wait, we work this neighborhood too. If they just listened to Marv and said, if you stop going after that house. If you really <laughs> think about it time and again, I mean, Marv, so many opportunities, Marv wanted to jump ship. Yep. Every single time along the way, Marv wanted to be like, let's cut our losses. There's always a better, easier house someplace else. Yeah. Forget this one. We've already robbed two houses in Winnetka. We're good. But the McAllisters is solely Harry's obsession. Yeah, Marv's just along for the ride.
You ever seen the movie Rookie of the Year? Oh, I've seen Rookie of the Year. Yes, sir. It's a pretty great comedy. Yeah, I love baseball movies from the 90s. Directed by Daniel Stern. Oh, I also love baseball movies from the 90s. What, do you Have you ever seen Angels in the Outfield? Yes, I've yeah. seen Angels in the Outfield many times. Yeah, Danny Glover's in that one. Uh, and Tony Danza, and Matthew McConaughey, and Adrian Brody, and Brenda Fricker. And oh, and uh, and 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 Brenda Brenda Fricker Fricker who you already is said that. in Home Alone too. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We don't need to get into that. How yeah. do you feel about Rookie of the Year? Did you like that one? Directed by Daniel Stern, it was his debut film as yeah, a director. Yeah, right. It's his directorial debut. I feel like he largely got the job because of his his success with Home Alone. Well, They're it had like, to be. I mean, because like Rookie of the Year came out in '93. Yeah, '93, '93, and '94. Maybe one of the, early '94. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, they were shooting that in '92 or '93. So that's kind of on the coattails of Home Alone. Yeah, it's, it's actually like a it's a it's a decent family comedy. Yeah, I think it's pretty fun. It's like basically this kid injures his arm and it, it's like yeah. super powerful for pitching and yeah. he's able to just like throw it to yeah. the point where he can compete in the major leagues. Yeah. And it explores some interesting themes that are fun. It, it's fun for both kids and parents, I think, because yeah. it's like, we know that if you know the first thing about professional sports, especially major league baseball, it's like, there's a seedy underbelly to that. Yeah. This is not a place for children to live. Yeah. And then Daniel Stern's kind of like the, uh, the pitcher, who like subs for him? Is that is it his he, is he his relief pitcher? Yeah, I is think he, he maybe like is coming relief, out of the bullpen. I think he may be his relief pitcher. Is he harboring some ill will towards the kid because the kid took no. a slot in like the no the, it, the rotation? It, it, no, it's not it's not like that at all because Daniel Stern plays very similar to Home Alone. He plays kind of the clown in that movie. He's like yeah. the guy who's stuffing his cheek with too much tobacco although yeah. i think he may be just doing chewing gum uh I, i'm not really yeah, well, sure i mean in the big leagues they mix it with the chewing gum you need something do to they? yeah you need something to chew on oh i didn't it's the know dry that. stuff right it's not that it's not that uh that moist snuff yeah the thing i remember the most about daniel stern he's always got this right he's giant got the, yeah, thing he's got the honk in his, in his cheek. cheek yeah that kid by the way same kid from a kid in king arthur's court and American, and American Pie. Pie and the American Pie sequels. I never saw uh, Kid and King Arthur's Court. The big thing with that was the gag with he's got like the, the disc man, yeah. the CD Walkman. That's also the plot they used for Black Knight with Martin Lawrence. Is that the same? Yeah, Martin Lawrence is like modern day dude. He goes back into Camelot. Right. Yeah, because he right because yeah. he works at the putt putt golf. He works yeah. at the mini golf. Yeah. And he falls into the pool, the mini yeah. golf, and for some reason, inexplicably, it transports him to Camelot. This is like a Mark Twain story, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, a Confederate uh, in King Arthur's Court. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read it lately, no. if ever. I've seen one rendition of it. I haven't seen Black Knight. But I've heard it's great. Oh, I saw Black Knight like 12 times on Stars. I tell you what, man. People think Bad Boys is where Martin Lawrence's strength is. No way. Blue Streak. It's Blue Streak. Blue exactly. Streak. Oh, with Peter Green as the villain? Oh, it's, oh. Just, it's too good, Luke man. Luke Wilson is yeah. like, he's high. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Streak is... Bad Boys is way overrated, man. Yeah. That's... I do remember <laughs> loving... Yeah, I do remember. It's good. It's, got, it's actually got like yeah. so, sort of like a low key good soundtrack. Yeah. 
that movie. Yeah, totally underrated. Mm-hmm. Bad Boys, get out of here, Michael I, I don't, Bay. I don't need it. I mean, I do like Michael Bay when it comes to Armageddon and... Uh, and Transformers. And The Rock. And and The Rock. No, not you Transformers. You love Transformers. Shut up. Um, what Wait, what were we talking about? Daniel Stern? Marv. Did you ever see Diner? I don't think I've ever seen Diner. It's like one of the earliest films that Daniel Stern was in, and it's got like a young Mickey Rourke. Is it just scenes at a diner? Is that kind does of it take yeah. place at a diner? For the most part, it's just conversations at a diner, and it's I don't know. I, I thought it was really good. I, I gotta see it. Yeah, I love me a, a young Mickey Rourke. I'm a big fan of a young Mickey Rourke. Oh yeah. What Mickey Rourke movies are your favorites? I'll tell you mine. It's Body Heat. I love I love Mickey Rourke and Body Mickey Heat. Mickey Rourke is in Body Heat? I thought that was William Hurt. Oh, yeah. William Hurt's the main character, but Mickey Rourke is like the ex-con yeah. who William Hurt goes to, and he's like, I need to make a bomb. And Mickey Rourke is like, I wouldn't recommend this counselor. He's the one who tries to talk him out of it. Oh, sh- He is slick in that movie. Like, he is like peak sex symbol Ted, in that movie. Ted Danson's in that movie, too. You know, we've been looking for you two guys for a long time. Yeah. I remember, we're the Wet Bandits. Wet Bandits. So do you have a favorite Daniel Stern movie as an actor? Wonder Years. That's not a movie. That's a television show. But I'll give it to you. Okay. Because because it really kind of defined his career. Yeah. For a while. I had no idea that that was Daniel Stern until like long after I'd seen the show. I remember watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and they asked the question, "Who narrates Wonder Years?" And Daniel Stern came up, and I was like, "That's the guy from Home Alone. That's a joke. There's no way that guy narrates Wonder Years because his performance in that is just." so straight you know like every line but yeah it's daniel stern and you never see him on screen either so it's like well this guy is such a goof he's such a character he's such a physical performer why would he just be like a voiceover narration for a show but nevertheless okay so you learned it uh from regis philbin i did yeah you ever seen chud no i've been meaning Uh, to daniel stern has a writing credit on that because of how much he improv during his performances cool anyway my i wouldn't say it's my favorite but i would be remiss to not mention the film bushwhacked Mm -hmm. have you seen this one i've seen bushwhacked you've seen bushwhacked yeah the unofficial home alone three yeah or or like the adventures of marv merchants yeah maybe if i were a parent and i had to submit my kids to camping under daniel stern from bushwhacked i probably would have opted not to do that no same i mean well he well and then like isn't it that like there's some story about how he's like the best scout leader ever because it's a, yeah, it's a he's case really, of he's it's set a, up for failure it's a case of mistaken identity because yeah. there actually is a guy who's like the best boy scout man right uh and then and the, then Dave, the best boy man the best man scout. the best man the best boy, boy man the best boy scout. man scout yeah the mess the mess did you like bushwhacked 
Uh, not really, but well, I mean, like, sure, is not a good movie, but I, I, I enjoy it, especially yeah. if I'm looking, if I'm watching it through the lens of this is actually Marv Merchants. Yeah. He's under an assumed identity. He's using a different name. Yes. Right. But let's just pretend. Okay, this is Marv a few years later. Yeah. Right. It feels like a good redemption story for that character. If yeah. you just replaced whatever Daniel Stern's character's name was with Marv, yeah. it would have worked pretty well. Yeah, it's like, oh, I actually had to spend some quality time with children, and I realized maybe I can redeem myself. Maybe mm. I can find some value in life, in my pitiful existence. Yep. Maybe I can make an impact mm -hmm. here. You know, I think maybe it's the first time you ever felt like, oh, I matter, you know? To someone. To somebody. I could make a difference in somebody's life. That's not and, Harry's. And also, you know, maybe Marv is kind of a child at heart. Yeah. You know, he's afraid of the dark. He likes toys. How would that work? So uh, we think of Harry and Marv as like uh, Harry is the brain and Marv is the child. And so at some point, the two would have had to separate. What do you, what do you think the story is there? Marv was just like, I'm tired of the, the criminal life. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I guess I would ask, do you think Harry regrets partnering with Marv? No. No? No, because he's in the sequel. Yeah, but do you think maybe he's irritated that the whole Wet Bandits thing and the overflowing sinks mm -hmm. probably like quintupled their sentence? Because yeah. now they know yeah. each and every he told Marv not to do it. He did it anyway. Yeah. Like he, Maybe at some point, do you think Harry was just like, I can't deal with this anymore? No, I'm cutting you. No, loose. I think I think what happened between Home Alone 2 and Bushwhacked is Harry probably got shanked while in prison uh, yeah, and yeah. Marv Marv was was forced to, to go out on his own and uh, and he ended up being a Boy Scout leader. Do you think that if certain policies at the state and federal levels had not led to the mass closures of state hospitals, maybe Marv wouldn't be out on the streets robbing people's homes? Maybe he might be getting the treatment that he needs is marv ultimately a tragic character i mean is he really the victim here the victim of a society who has cast him aside i swear to god if i have to hear one more rant about reganomics i'm gonna hit myself in the face with a paint i can. didn't say a single thing and this isn't even a conversation about economics it's a conversation about social policy where does our spending belong uh, my answer is no no. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I will accept that as an answer because in the past I've asked you yes or no questions and then you've just extrapolated ad nauseum and I've, and I've browbeaten you about it. So I'll, t I'll, I'll accept that. I do want to point out though, that just saying no, isn't great for radio. Okay. I'm okay with that. So was the juice worth the squeeze? I don't know what that means. Um, let's talk about Marv's legacy. Yeah. I think what, when you think about Home Alone, what's the value of Marv? Could the film exist without him? I mean, now that you ask the question, uh, even the filmmakers didn't seem to think so. Well, 
not without Marv, but without Daniel Stern's interpretation of who Marv was. Uh, they tried doing it with another actor and he just didn't have the chemistry with Joe Pesci and whatever Daniel Stern brought to that role, it just, that was the magic they needed to get this film to work. Most of the hardiest laughs I have while watching Home Alone are as a result of some slapstick stuff that Daniel Stern did. I know the, that uh, these claims can fly sort of fast and loose <clears throat> in this world in which we live and operate, but uh, I, I got to say, I think Marv is my favorite character in Home Alone. Yeah. It's not the same movie without him. Yeah. And I completely agree with you that it's not the same movie, not just without the character, but without Daniel Stern. And I think what surprises me is that I guess in 1989 or 88 or whenever they're casting this thing, Daniel Stern was high enough up on his career horse to demand to say, no, I'm turning this down unless it fetches me yeah. this much. Yeah. And they said, OK, yeah. um, and I'm so glad they did. But also, I feel like Home Alone to me is sort of like a, a really it's a crowning achievement. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like other films that I know Daniel Stern from and him playing Marv is like it. We've talked about a lot and I think we've kind of given him the shine on some other roles that he's had. But really, it's like what bigger movie than Home Alone yeah. do we know Daniel Stern from? And so it feels like this sort of beautiful marriage yeah. where it's like the movie absolutely needs him mm -hmm. it's the actor that the movie deserves and likewise for such a a, a a talented and vibrant and enjoyable performer mm -hmm. it's the movie that his career deserves and yeah. frankly i wish i knew him from more things than home alone yeah where's where where is he what's he doing next check out chud yeah yeah i i, I like chud i said that one already did you write that down after I said it? Did I, have, did I, I, I say I, Chud and then you wrote it down so you could tell me to check it out? Yes. What are you the, gaslighting me? Yes. That's I've what, already seen that movie. I already said that I saw it. That's what happened. And you said you didn't see it. Did you see Diner? No, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one yet, but I will. Well, I'll check it out. All right. I'll check it out. Merry um, Christmas. Home Alone is broadcast live from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It's hosted by Jimmy Dantes and Joey Z and produced by Pat Muldoon. Until next time, eat junk and listen to rubbish. <laughs>